What's up, guys? This is a quick insert that I'm putting in before the show, which is like two hours and 40 minutes, I think. I'm going to have to cut some of the times. I had total technical problems again. I got to get a new computer. But I just want to tell you that it's a super long marathon show that I never intended to make it that long. There is There are a lot of gems in there. There's also a lot of wild tangents that you may or may not be into, but I'm telling you, maybe listen to it on double speed if you want. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. All right, enjoy the show. Oh, and I did my best to remember edit points when the computer froze and all of that happened, so I'm going to do my best to cut all of that out, but I'm not going to be able to go through all of it and edit everything out, so it is going to be kind of a raw show. Enjoy. Tonight's the big night, the third GOP presidential primary debate. Predictions also. Americans on all sides of the aisle are currently being divided and ruled with such ease that it's embarrassing and it's high time this country manned up and stopped letting ourselves be dominated. This is Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story, the third presidential primary debate is tonight, and I'm sure everyone is excited. The field this time has been whittled down to just five candidates, and those lucky five candidates in no particular order are candidate number one, the man who is determined to show this country that you don't have to be able to reach the top of the fridge to effectively slit throats on day one, Florida Governor Ron Tippy Toes DeSantis, candidate number two, who you will see on tonight's debate stage, She's a Southern belle who is smart, capable, and charmingly corny, who, when it comes to issues of mass murder and war, nothing makes this bitch more horny. Give it up for the former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Nukemal Haley, the third candidate who will appear in tonight's GOP debate is one who never fails to articulate. It's the enunciator himself, the man who never met a syllable he did not make a meal of, the thank watch me play tennis shirtless Ramaswamy. The fourth candidate that you will see on the debate stage tonight is a man who may have a bright smile, a kind heart, and a positive message. But there is nothing that we are assured he definitely has more of than a girlfriend. It's the junior senator from South Carolina, Tim the Heterosexual Scott. And last but definitely not least, the fifth candidate who we will see on the debate stage tonight before he falls through it is a man who has shown Americans that there are no bounds to the levels of unlikability that he can attain, nor are there limitations to the amount of cringe that he is willing to bring. The Michael Moore of the Republican Party, White Lizzo himself, former New Jersey governor, Chris Earthquake Christie. That's your debate tonight. I hope everyone is excited to hear all of these pricks talk about Israel and Hamas and Ukraine and Russia. And Chris Christie will talk about January 6th. And what's the over-under on the number of painfully bad, poorly delivered scripted jokes that Chris Christie, you know, spits out of his food hole? Is he going to bring the Donald Duck thing back? I kind of hope he just doubles down on the Donald Duck. What are the odds that Chris Christie compares, I'm serious about this, he compares January 6th and Trump to November 7th and Israel. Look out for that tie tonight. I'm betting that it happens. We shall see. Okay, not in the debate tonight, notably, is former Vice President Mike Pence. His truck ran out of gas somewhere in Iowa, and he can't figure out why. 
He's been sticking the pump in there. Every pump he finds, he sticks it in there. But he can't get the car started. And he's not going to be able to make it tonight. So he is out there in the cornfields in Iowa. The debate will continue. This is my prediction for the debate. It is going to be surprisingly non-focused. Not surprisingly, actually, because of what's going on with world affairs. It's not going to be as focused on Trump as the previous ones, because previously all they had to talk about was Trump. This time, Trump and Ukraine. This time they have Israel and Ukraine. So some of the attention that might have gone to Trump will go to the focus on Israel. Then they'll you know, find some way to blame Trump and talk about Trump's cases and being belligerent. They'll say he's, Chris Christie will do all this. They'll say he's belligerent to the New York, to the belligerent New York judge. Like the worst judge in the history of the, I mean, this guy's awful. This is not uh, uh, even someone who is giving the appearance of trying to be a non-biased judicial mind trying to be fair. That's what judges are supposed to do. That's why they're picked to be judges is because they have an ability to be fair in what they rule, to look at the perspectives of everybody involved. This is a guy who's like, no, I'm here because F Trump. That's the only reason. I I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I don't think people realize how crazy that is. Anyway, I think this debate is going to inflame the tensions even more than they're already being inflamed when it comes to people on Team Israel and people on Team uh, Palestine. This propaganda that's going on right now, and I am actually going to get into this in a minute, it's disturbing to me. We're being bamboozled. We, we are being divided and ruled, and people are unable to have conversations. And they, the same people who are upset and pissed off justifiably about the way Trump has been treated by the weaponized justice system, that the way that Trump's due process has, has been stripped from him. The, the way that there is no presumption uh, of innocence when it comes to Trump. There's a presumption of guilt. The same people who are so pissed off about that, and they should be pissed off about it. That, that is a justifiable reason to be pissed off. Everybody should be. Even if you hate Trump, you should be pissed off at this abuse of power. However, the same group of people are, are, are now flipping it over and they are presuming guilt and then yelling at people who say, hey, wait a minute. How about we don't condemn people when an investigation into certain incidents that happened just began? How about you don't yell at people who say, hey, step back. And I'm talking about this guy who they say died at in California. It was a pro-Israel and the pro not, I almost said pro-Hamas because that's the way it's portrayed by many on social media, many in the news, but pro-Palestine. Hamas is never used by, by any of the people that, uh, that I've seen, by any of the reports, by any of the police, yet you see all this, the, these reporting on it that tries to like short-circuit any conversation. Why do we have to demonize and make the people in this country who we are living near, why do we have to make them the evil enemy that we can't even have a conversation with and we must fight? Do, do, is that going to do any good for anybody? Is that going to help anything to come to conclusions immediately and assign those who disagree with you as stupid, 
evil and your enemy. Does that help anything? The only thing that that helps, and that is going on right now, is that helps inflame tensions and that helps us all get conquered. We, we're being divided and ruled and the only way the divide and rule process works is if this propaganda causes us to do that very thing, to turn our anger and our hate towards other citizens of this country and refuse to have conversations and refuse to apply the due process and the presumption of innocence to people who live here just like we demand that people apply it to Trump, okay? Doing this, this hypocrisy, just being pulled around by our strings like we're just stupid idiot puppets. I mean, they must think we're stupid with the level of hypocrisy that I see right now. I saw some tweets where people talking about... I need to go. I need to give you the context of the story because sometimes I assume people have heard the story when they have not. So I should back up for a second and give you the context, a little bit of this context of the story, because this just really pisses me off. Just seeing the same people who were up in arms demanding fairness for Trump, who are now calling people terrorists, who simply say, "Hey, why don't we wait until the police finish their investigation before we condemn someone?" and accuse them of committing a hate crime and murder. Why don't we apply the other citizens of this country? I'm not even talking about over in Israel and Palestine. I'm talking about people who support one side or another over there. And like, It's just all such a con. It's a divide and rule con, and it's working. And the only way it works is if these groups, if they, these identity groups that they have assigned to people with, continue bickering and fighting with each other. If those groups stopped bickering and fighting with each other, and realized that it's the leaders of these operations on both sides who aren't actually fighting with each other, both living, all living in luxury, not both, all of them living in luxury, and are just using everyone as pawns, and that they are only able to conquer us if we continue fighting. So the more we hate, the easier we are, the more we hate, the more we're divided, the easy, more easy it is for them to conquer us. I didn't even mean to get into that yet. I, I always get ahead of myself with these things here. So this guy's name, the story is there's a, it's a Jewish man, he's 69 years old, named Paul Kessler, who the news has been, it's been reporting that he was killed during a, what was some publications described as a dueling uh, Israel-Palestine rallies. But that's not really what it was. They, he was a counter-protester. It was a, a pal- it was a Palestine rally. Am I saying? I feel like I'm saying Palestine wrong. You ever get that in, in your head where you fixate on? Am I saying that word wrong? And then you you just you can't never tell if you say it right. That's kind of what I felt like just right there. But more on that in a second. Uh, according to the story, this guy Paul Kessler. There were these competing rallies in California where there's been a bunch of rallies. And I'm going to play you some of the clips of the actual police report. There goes my screen again. Why is it doing this? I need to get that off screen. Sorry. Yeah, I just need to. It's just, I'm going to have to get a new computer. This is pissing me off. According to the story, this guy showed up as a counter-protester. And ultimately, he got into a skirmish. He was a pro-Israel guy with a guy who was a pro-Palestine person. And the guy, they were tugging at something. They're not exactly sure. And then the guy fell over backwards and he hit his head on the concrete. 
and he didn't die right there. He was alive, and he, he was able to talk to police. He died the next day in the early a.m. hours is when his health began to fail because of his injuries. This is something that happens. It sucks. But people tripping over, falling, and hitting the back of their head uh, on a curb, that's like a, that's like, it's a sad story of how people die. Like, there's people, young people who died doing this. This is not a, a crazy or wild story that that happened. And I do know that some people are going to take the false flag angle of this and say, this probably didn't happen at all. And, and uh, this, that's not an avenue I'm going to explore right now. I, I, I don't know. At this point, we look at our screens. We, we're told that they can make deep fakes that are identical to people's faces almost. And you're not going to notice it unless you're looking for it all the time. And most people aren't like, let me, let me click on a video to watch. I better be making sure it's not a deep fake. That's just not what most people do. They can make audio deep fakes. So, so with that premise, I'm well aware that just about anything can be faked. And I'm well aware that we have seen nothing but uh, shady, uh, um, unconfirmed stories come out of Ukraine and Russia and out of Israel and Gaza. We, we, we simply are unable to verify what is real on our screens anymore. It's a, it's a strange state that we live in right now in 2023. But I am not going to, I'm not trying to explore the rabbit hole of was this is false flag or not, because the point is most people are going, most people accept what happened that this man died, this Jewish man died, and he was in a skirmish with a pro Palestine guy, and they accept that as true. And so that is what impacts people. And, and, and the way it's being spread right now, the propaganda that's being spread about it is, is going to impact people in a way that causes more violence, real violence, right? So even if it's not real, I, I, or real or not, it doesn't matter. People think it's real. It triggers real violence. And the fact is, it's a plausible story that actually happens. It's an older person. And, you know, I know they pick plausible stories, but this is what they want. They want images and they want stories of these two identity sides, religion identity sides, the way it's being presented right now. That's how they're presenting it right now is, is religion because that seems to be the hook that angers the most people and fires the most people up to blindly join one side or the other without question and then condemn those who dare ask a question. A question, how dare you, demon, you demon spawn with your question marks, Riddler, go to hell, you Satan spawn. I mean, that is the attitude that people who used to be all about, we just need to ask questions and get to the truth, used to be. Is that you can have the exact same attitude and the exact same approach to evaluating information right now as you had three months ago uh, uh, that you apply to any other subject. Russia, Ukraine, whatever. You're just applying it here. And all of a sudden, all the people who you thought you were cool with are like, did you just ask, did you just do a little question mark? You piece of effing trash. Get out of my life. It's just crazy. The hypocrisy, we're all hypocrites. Everybody's a hypocrite. Every single person on the planet is a hypocrite, but usually not this glaring. Like, like usually there's an attempt to try and apply the same way of, of analysis across the board if you truly care about seeking the truth and you truly care about not letting yourself be ruled by the emotions that you are intentionally filled with by the propagandists globally here and around the world trying to pull our strings and direct us in, in a way 
strategically that sends us down a road that does not serve our best interests, that causes us to fight with each other and only serves the best interest of these puppet masters above us. I'm going to get into that in, in, in a second. Like this is so. But the point is, like three minutes ago, I'm not gonna. I'm going to talk about this story as though I. It's 100% the guy died, okay? And because there's a possibility they did, because people die in these situations. Also, a possibility is false flag. I'm going to talk about this one as though he died and that his wife lost a husband and that his kids lost a father. Because I, I, I think that that's, I like to always start there until I see something that tells me otherwise because people are sad, they're hurting. It's such a tragic situation. The story, I mean, it's awful. What an unnecessary death. If this man, who's 69 years old, it shows up as a counter-protester in California to protest against a bunch of old uh, uh, pro-Palestine uh, uh, protesters. It's their rally. He just shows up, and, and then he ends up in a skirmish, falls. We don't know the details, although some would tell you they do. They don't. They do not know. I'm going to play some clips for you. But, but he falls over and he unnecessarily dies. Those kids lost their father and that wife lost her husband for no reason. The only reason that happened, the only reason they are without their dad, without their husband, is because he was conned. He's been conned for decades, this guy actually has. He's been a, an activist a long, long time by these rulers and controllers who never themselves put themselves on the front lines. You don't see Bibi Netanyahu marching up the street, confronting pro-Palestine protesters, getting in people's faces. and You don't see that because he's in a little multi-million dollar mansion with a bunker. This is what they do. They see people as pawns, and they are the people playing the game. They're the chess masters. And they don't take, they fill people with rage and propaganda and they convince them that they have to fight these people and that these, this group is their enemy and that it's biblical and that there's nothing matters more and that it's worth dying for. Meanwhile, these mother effers would never, ever, and I'm telling you this, if you read Saul Alinsky, read Edward Bernays, they would never in a million years die for the cause or sacrifice their own children for the causes that they sacrifice millions in their countries for, that they fill their heads with BS because they follow the Solinsky, the Edward Bernays rule, which is that you do not ever let yourself become convinced of the BS indoctrination that you are controlling and, and manipulating the people who you are organizing with. Because if you do, you're just as manipulatable. You are just as controllable as they are. You convince them that you believe what they believe, but you don't ever actually buy into it because that is how you pull the strings. And Bibi Netanyahu doesn't give a rat's ass about the biblical nature of any of this. I guarantee it. He does not care. His son's in Miami Beach. The only front line his son is on is the shoreline from the waters crashing down on the sand. The only war, Bibi Netanyahu's son, while Bibi sends millions or however many of other people's children to go die in Gaza in this war. 
BB's son, the only thing he's fighting uh, are, are sunburns from the scorching Miami heat. That's all. He's in Miami, all right? BB is in a bunker million-dollar house owned by a billionaire from the U.S. They do not care. This is all a con. I don't care how committed you think you are to one side or the other. The people who are orchestrating all of this and pitting everyone, you, if you're one of the, if you have found yourself captured by this and yelling at people and screaming at people and, and getting on social media and, and if you if you find yourself you just giving yourself an aneurysm with it or, or or God forbid you show up to one of these protests which which look I told people not to go to January 6th that that is one of, that's I have I have a track record of that that is one of the the, the, the best predictions that I've ever made because I, I saw what was going on I, I've studied the way that these FBI informants these like, CI, whatever. I, we play in all these clips. They just talk about it openly. You just have to watch them. The, you have to read the, the cases. They do it all the time. And I told people, I said, do not go to January 6th. It's a setup and you will go to jail. They're looking to put you in jail, to in prison. And I was right. I was right. And, and these protests, especially right now, are the same thing. They are a trap that people like Bibi Netanyahu and the leaders of Hamas who live in luxury in Qatar and Joe Biden, all of these people pulling the strings who pretend to be just like everybody else. But they, they, they do so knowing that they don't give a rat's ass about the rules that they convince everybody else that they must follow or the morals they convince everybody else that has a high ground. They do not care. That is how they control people. I'm not saying people should live by morals. Absolutely. What I'm saying is, the people who divide you and pitch you against your fellow man, your fellow humans, who aren't these elitist assholes, that they aren't following, they aren't, they don't believe any of the morals. They don't care. They need you to fight with your fellow man because that is how they conquer all of us. The only way that we are, the, the, the way that we, can never be conquered is if we embrace those that they have convinced us that we must hate. I'm, I'm telling you, and you might look over, it's like me looking at, I, 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 it's, I mean, it's weird, but like I, I see the Georgia Bulldogs because I'm a Georgia Tech fan. Georgia Tech sucks. And I'm like, oh, I hate the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't actually hate anybody who plays for Georgia. The coach actually likes Georgia's, uh, one of their old coaches, but, but, but the, you know, the parallel is like, that's like me saying, I need to love a Georgia Bulldog. Well, you know what, mother effer? <laughs> if, if loving the Georgia Bulldogs meant that the globalist became unable to ever conquer us, by God, I'd be sporting a UGA jersey and hat tomorrow. Because divide and rule is the name of the game, and they are cucking the entire country right now. We are all cucks to their divide and rule strategy. And look, it, it, it's easy to get worked up in this stuff. It's so easy to get worked up in it. They use that really. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I never would have thought that an issue a, a world away that most people who are getting so mad about it and protesting about it and fighting about it and actually injuring and we have a person who's died about it possibly right now i never would have thought that it would have been this place that most people have never been to and know nothing about 
but it is. And you can't even talk about it. I'm going to show you examples of this. I'm going to show you how people who were pro, like how come they're weaponizing justice system against Trump, how they completely flipped. I'm going to show you some tweets and some assumptions that were made about this story. And I'm going to show you how people who simply said, maybe we should wait, how they just got ambushed and attacked by the same people who are anti-cancellation, who are everybody needs, well, they used to be anyway, everybody should have uh, innocent until proven guilty. Not anymore, apparently. Not any effing more, man. And, and I'm also going to play, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the assumptions that have been running rampant about this story on social media that people have just without question shared. And I'm going to show you after that, I'm going to play clips of what the actual press conference says and we're going to evaluate what what the viral beliefs about this story is versus the actual information that's been put out. And it's just, it's, this is why I said in the opening that we are being dominated by divide and conquer. I've, just, I've been really disappointed by some people's knee-jerk commitment to whatever the look, I'm not against Israel. I'm not against uh, 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 the Palestinians. I, 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 I'm, I, I think the leaders of both of those groups are, are manipulating them and then using them. I think they're using them as pawns. I feel, I, I feel sorry for them. And, and they actually are, at least I know with Israel, they're not happy with Bibi Netanyahu. They don't trust him, it seems like to me. So when people talk about Israel, they try and clump everything together. They talk about Palestine. They try and clump everything together. This is my problem with identity politics. Identity politics is a cancer on society. Nothing good comes from identity politics. And this is identity politics at a nationalistic religious level. Identity politics, here's what it guarantees every single time. It guarantees that each warring group will always presume that the, the group that they hate or that they oppose, that everyone in that group is exactly like the worst, most detestable member of that group, of that very generic group, that the people who they... Ha- ha- the, so it's the, it's the enemy who determines the group. You don't even get to determine what group you're in. Somebody else determines the group that you're part of, very generic. And then you, all of a sudden, by everyone else in this other group are now stereotyped not as the best of that group, but as the worst member of that group. Someone who probably 99% of the people classified in that group also don't like. But because identity politics doesn't you know, differentiate between individual uniqueness and, and what people are, uh, the individual, what they can accomplish is great. People work hard. People, um, uh, they, they differentiate themselves with the skills they develop and who they are, the parents that raise them and the way that they've grown throughout their life. And then you have people who come in and throw identity politics on them and strip all of that away from them and say, you're, you're the rapist, racist with a clan hood on, just like everyone else. That is identity politics. And, and that is what we're seeing right now. And that is why it's so easy to turn these groups of people against each other. Because everybody sees the, the person who wants to kill everyone in the other group. 
That's what everybody sees. That, that is what we hear with these arguments. And look, I, I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be an expert on, on, on these politics, but I, I, I am pretty confident that every Palestinian does not want to kill and mur- does not want to uh, extinguish, exterminate all of the Jews. I'm pretty sure that every single Israeli does not want to completely wipe all of the Palestinians off the map. Now, there might, be, there might be some that do. There's no doubt about it. The people have bought into the indoctrination of exterminating fellow human beings. But there's 0% chance that every single one of them feel that way. Yet, because of the identity politics and the way it brands everybody as the worst, that is the narrative that we are being sold. And that is how they are justifying propagating this war, but they're, they're all awful, okay? They're all effing awful. Let me, let me make sure I didn't skip something I want to get to because I do want to get to uh, all of this. this. It pisses me off, man. These people go out and they die for the, these, these con artists who would never put their own lives on the line. They would never put their own children's lives uh, on the line. The story, that's where I started with this. You know, let me make sure I, I gave you the the basic context of that story because I do want to take a I do want to take another bit of a uh, a side road here before I get back to it that I do think is relevant. But hold on one second here. So got that? We talked about that. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, I'm going to show you the unreasonable reactions to all of that, but. The Israel-Palestine stuff is, if you're caught up in it, you need to you need to step back, like like seriously. If you if you're yelling at people, especially I don't think anybody listening to this is going to these protests, but these are all trained activists who are they do they've been doing this for decades. But but if you are seriously getting angry and upset with people, if you're not, if you find yourself like hot with rage, unable to like. Not, not a, you're not going to think about it that way, but hot with rage and just Rick reacting without thinking. Like I'm serious, man. I've done it. Like, like it's you catch yourself when you get in one of those those moments, and we all have pride, and we we don't necessarily want to step back and say, "Oh shoot, I think I was maybe a little bit knee jerk there." But it's necessary if we want to save this country. It's necessary. Everybody has to swallow their pride, and, and we have to recognize that our knee jerk reactions are being used against us right now. They're being exploited at the highest level in this divide and rule campaign and used to channel our energy towards other people like us so that we, one, together destroy the country because they want to build it back better. And two, don't look towards these actual people who are the leaders of these warring factions that have convinced us that we must also be warring. we don't ever look at them and realize that they're not actually warring with each other at all. They seem pretty cool with each other. They're leaving each other alone. Yet, we're killing each other. We're, we're, I mean, definitely over in Israel and Palestine and Gaza, but, but it started over here with this death, and it will escalate. That is what they want. They want it to escalate. We cannot let it escalate. We have to stop looking at the people they are directing our anger towards, and we have to start recognizing that these mother effers aren't even fighting with each other. This is such a con. This is how they conquer us. You just, we have to take breath. 
We have to do breathing exercises. We have to become more like Spock and less like Captain Kirk right now. Like, this is not a time for, for our emotions, pure animalistic emotions to lead because America will collapse. This, I mean, it will absolutely collapse. It's part of the Great Reset to knock us back and to build up China, to build up some of these other countries. And they, they have stuff planned for us. There's no doubt about that. I mean, for all we know, this is stuff that we're seeing right now with the shooter, the guy who's in the military with, with this story, perhaps. I, I saw a, um, an article a moment ago saying how this story of this man who died, this older man, brought the, the war in Israel and Gaza, brought it to the United States. And, and man, that, that, that kind of like parallel is only going to get closer. So they're going to continue to try and jar us into the emotional states and uh, in a position where we're fighting and tearing each other apart with more and more extreme measures. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder to, to resist this brainwashing operation that is intent on destroying all of us. Not for our sake, but for the sake of people who are never in harm's way. And the sooner everybody can start to realize that, can start to can recognize the, the anger that fires up in them as not a, uh, something that should just be unleashed on those who you've been indoctrinated to see as your evil enemy, but instead as a signal of, oh, shoot, that's a signal that these mother effers have put another psyop out and I need to stay focused right here no matter how much the rage wants to direct me over there. Like we need to change the way these signals direct our actions and our focus because right now it's being directed in the exact way that, that, that the Klaus Schwabs, the Biden, that all these people pulling the strings want us to. We, we are being played. All of us are being played by them. Every time... You get angry at someone who disagrees with you about Israel and Palestine. I, I don't care. I don't care what, what, you, you, what you think the history is, what they think the history is. You have to understand, everybody who has taken a position on, on this subject, they, everybody has certain historical information that convinces them beyond belief that they have the moral high ground. You're not convincing anybody of anything. All you're doing is furthering the divide and making it more likely that you're going to one day kill each other, which is exactly what they want to happen. So you have to stop. You have to stop yourself when you start to get raged out and the, the, the social media, like there's so many benefits to it, but that this, this like ability to just attack people and go after people and, and say the meanest things to people w without consequence really. I mean, maybe you get kicked off, but not, not, not on X, you don't really anymore. And maybe some people do, but your face isn't there. You, things that you would never say to another human being in person. People say by the thousands to the thousands on social media, we have to stop. You know, the, the thing about social media, and I'm probably stupid for, for not like in, in, in embracing this. It, it's, it's really pretty easy to build a big following on social media. But you have to be willing to just be mean as hell to people. 
that, that's how that's that's the best way one of the best ways i mean some people do it in positive ways so i don't want to take that away from anybody but the most used way to build a following is to be the most extreme mean mother effer to people to to try and get the biggest reaction just to be a provocative the same thing these people do in these protests you're just trying to stick poke poke and just piss people off and, and it gets more and more aggressive and 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 more hateful the, the more people get used to the provocation cuz cuz people get used to it and so that's like the model it it sucks but you want to get famous on social media well just sit down and write a sit down and pick some famous people and just write a list of the meanest effing things you can say to them that you think could get a re- reaction from them so what i used to do when i was a kid so i i grew up my brother's uh, 10 years older than me, and he played baseball at Georgia Tech. And I was eight years old when he first started, seven or eight years old when he first started playing. And I would sit behind the other team's dugout, and I was just a kid, and I would sit with some of the college kids, and I would just heckle them. And I got really, really good at heckling. I mean, I was, I mean, I, I was pretty, like, I was known for, for heckling throughout my brother's three years at, at Georgia Tech. And even years later, I came back. I, I, people knew me for it. Uh, Ten years later, I came, came back, and there were still people there. Because it, it was just, it's a skill. It's like, um, you know, it's like insult comedy. And you can't necessarily do that anymore at games because they'll kick you out. But at Braves games, what I used to do was, I used to try and, you, you see, you have to be unique, with your heckle because most heckles are the exact same and if you're saying the exact same thing they don't hear it they black all that out so you have to say something that's so unique and jarring to the player that it makes them go like and i get very good at that but i wasn't mean about it i I was creative about it i would I, i one time got the alabama baseball team when I went back to watch a game when I was in my 20s, I, I, Alabama was playing Georgia Tech. I, I got the entire uh, Alabama parent section to heckle their own children because we realized we were sitting amongst the parents. And I was like, well, I'm going to heckle. How am I going to do it? So I focused in on, well, you know, I would shout things. But you, you see, what you do is it's, it's kind of fun to do is you just you have to have that tone, like that aggressive heckle tone. But you just shout like, uh, I hope baseball's not getting in the way of your studies, you know, you know, you know, don't let girls distract you from your grades, stuff like that. So the stuff that, you know, the parents are going to think you're funny and they were winning the game. So it helped. And since they were winning the game, I'm sitting there heckling their own kids with it. The point is this idea of being unique to try and startle someone into paying attention is something that has been applied in mass on social media, except the meanness level of it has been turned up to like 500. I, I, I've never been able to just be mean to people, like for no reason. Like if people that I think are, are con artists and manipulators, like I think Stacey Abrams is a piece of trash. I think she lies to people. I think a lot of these people, so I don't mind making fun of them. I don't mind making fun of Chris Christie. But like I, sometimes I think people go too far with it because they just desire to get this attention. And it creates this culture of people who have built their, you know, their notoriety and and some people, their career, specifically on just being as mean as they can to as many people as they can in a way that people who like watching them be mean are willing to give them money for. It's just, it it goes too far. And 
I, I look, I, I've, I've hosted probably a dozen stand-up comedy roast in my life. It's, it's, it's super fun. And when you do that, you gotta have a, uh, gotta have a tough skin. But I, I think what I'm trying to articulate, I didn't plan on talking about any of this. So I apologize. Cause I'm kind of working through this in my mind, but what I see right now going on is this environment of just pure meanness rules on social media, which is typically just like, okay, people get that you're trolling, whatever. But right now, with Israel and Gaza, this sensitive subject that is so explosive that that we've now seen someone die here, that people are obviously dying over there, that there was somebody, I think, punched a woman and ripped her uh, g- jihab off. I mean, just, I don't, I haven't gone through that story. I don't know uh, the truth of the details of it, but people are applying these same extreme attitudes and this uh, routine of reacting with just super mean F you idiot energy to a situation that it could really be dangerous to react that way. So the, the meme culture, the, the I'm going to get a bunch of followers by just saying crazy wild stuff on social media, that, you know, that's usually fine until you reach a context uh, it, or an environment, an environment in society, as they might say, where everybody all of a sudden is sensitive. And all of a sudden, the things that people might have been able to brush off if it were about another subject suddenly hits a little bit harder and makes one of them want to, you know, want to come over to your house and, and, and stab you or whatever. Like, like this is it's the lack of empathy. There's no empathy that really exists on a, on a routine level on social media. There are people that express and show empathy, definitely. But the standard is not empathy. The standard is no empathy. Let me see how much I can push your buttons until you just explode. And then you can block me. And then I can take a photo of how you blocked me and say, look, I pissed so-and-so off so much. They finally blocked me and then probably had an aneurysm because I just harassed them relentlessly that we could all get away with until you know maybe we won't be able to anymore maybe we need to bring a little bit of empathy back into it because this conversation about israel and palestine it needs empathy it needs under it needs people to not get mad when the people they talk to don't immediately know all of the historical knowledge about the subject that you do who yells it's oh you don't know everything that i know about it well f you you're a terrorist sympathizer. Go fold up and put your head in your asshole. Blah! You know, it's, it's just it's the same thing, vice versa. I mean, people are getting attacked and, and this connecting the citizens to the, like, truly evil rulers on both of these sides. They are truly evil. They are, in my opinion, equally awful. I, the people I, I feel for and, like, you know, people do get indoctrinated and, and you know, you let... You, you, People can break that indoctrination, but it's and and I know so the, I, I I will not accept the argument that they are so indoctrinated that it's just okay to kill them. I just I can't I cannot accept that argument. I, I've heard that argument. Well, if all of the babies are going to grow up and kill everybody in your family, should you kill all of the? Should you kill baby Hitler? We've literally been having a conversation in society, predominantly on Twitter. Uh, should we kill baby Hitler? Well, absolutely. I mean, and that's kind of been the conclusion by a lot of people. But when you apply it to, to Gaza is 
the conversation presumes, at least the ones that I've been seeing, that every baby and every single person and child in Gaza is unreachable. That they, they all are just bloodthirsty, ready to. Now they could be radicalized based on what's going on, but I don't think it's good to assume that everyone is lost to terrorist indoctrination and just loves killing you know, Israel and, and, and people in the West, unless you actually know that. And that's my problem with the conversations I see about this on Twitter. As people are talking, like, well, they're all, every single one of them are lost. You've never been, these people have never been over there. They have no idea. And they're just, you know, well, they're all lost. They're all going to grow up and kill all of us. We better kill them all. Like, you do not know that. You do not know that. And the, the, the quickness and the urgency to jump to that, to justify the side that you want to tell yourself is correct. I don't think anybody's correct. I think it's all bullshit. I think every, well, so, and I need to step back again. Again, I'm talking about, when I say I don't think anybody's correct, I'm talking about the Bibi Netanyahu's of the world and the Hamas leaders who live in effing Qatar and fly on private jets and probably eat $3,000 caviar every night. They're not targeting each other, okay? They're not going after each other. They're giving, they're like, well, you're, you're in this very safe place, completely disconnected from the chaos you're creating. You're in this safe place, completely disconnected from the chaos you're creating. Why don't we let each other chill because we are the chess masters and we will simply move the pawns around on our board and we will kill each other's pawns. Handshake agreement, handshake agreement. That is what's going on. I have heard no explanation that justifies to me why Bibi Netanyahu did not go after the leaders of Hamas who are in a luxury villa, multi-million dollar villa with a ping pong table because apparently they love ping pong with a bed so soft, it's like a cloud, it's like a $2,000 mattress with whiskey that, that, that one shot is like $1,500. These are bill- the leaders of Hamas together, the three of them who live in Qatar, are worth is either 12 or 14 billion dollars together. And they sit over there and play ping pong and lay on their beds and drink their fancy drinks and eat their fancy foods and have sex with their fancy prostitutes and they have no consequences and they sleep peacefully at night without a care or concern that a missile might possibly drill you know, their villa and blow their legs off. That, is never, that thought has never crossed their mind because they know it's not going to happen because they have some sort of deal, but maybe it's, a, uh, maybe it's just an understood deal with Bibi Netanyahu that we're not going to go after you. But they are the ones who are in charge. And Bibi Netanyahu, it's the same thing. Bibi Netanyahu, he ain't exactly on the front lines either. I mentioned this earlier. He's staying in a billionaire's home. I don't even, I've never even heard of this guy. Uh, his name will come to me in a second. I'll find it in my notes. But it's this guy who has a multi, uh, like, I mean, super mansion, royalty-type mansion in Jerusalem that Bibi Netanyahu left where he was and went to this billionaire's house that has a super bunker that is like the lap of luxury that just got updated with all the most sophisticated and highest uh, levels of security in the world. He's in the safe, him 
and the leaders of Hamas are like in the safest places. You can't reach either one of them. The people orchestrating all of this, convincing people to go fight and die on the front lines, uh, trickling down to people in America who show up at these protests, whipping those people up so that these two old people start jerking things around and, and one of them falls over, maybe one of them hit them, I don't know, and, and dies. All because of these cocksuckers who never, ever would be on the front lines themselves, who are so safe and so protected and so disconnected that we all might as well be and one of those uh, uh, um, snow globes. And they're just looking at it. We can't even touch them. Yet they are the rulers of the warring uh, uh, asides who have convinced the world that they must also be warring because of the biblical nature and it's, it's for democracy. Yet the two who have been the faces of this con thus far, I know a lot of other people are involved, but the two front men, or not front, there's like four or five for Hamas, they aren't fighting at all. We must fight and we must kill each other. But these two, they're cool. They're cool. They're safe. They're rich. And that should piss every single Palestinian and every single Israeli off. And every single person who has gone to a protest and gotten punched in the face or thrown in the jail or had a family member die because of whatever happened in California, that should piss them off that Bibi Netanyahu escaped escaped to a billionaire's mansion bunker with updated security and he brought you know what he did he brought his wife and he brought his personal chef he's getting a personal chef to cook for him every single meal while people are, are, are starving and dying and fighting a war on both sides of all of that and you know who pays for the personal chef the israelis the israelis are pissed off at him a lot of people don't realize that they are pissed that bb and his wife and his personal chef who the taxpayers over there pay for fled to this you know beautiful luxurious man he's probably getting blowjobs every 15 minutes they just have people there whose job is to just give blowjobs every 15 minutes that's the type of place this is same thing with over there in Qatar it, it's not a serious thing when they tell us that democracy depends on it that this is a war of biblical nature and it's a time for war and yet the leaders of the enemy they are not going after. They are not even bothering. They are not even mentioning. When that is the case, they are full of shit. And they are attempting to divide and conquer all of us. Because the uh, divide and rule so that they can conquer. Because the only way that they can conquer all of us is if they had divided us. If we refuse, ref if we embrace those who we have been programmed to hate, and we opened our minds to say, hey, maybe, maybe this shit is a little bit twisted. Maybe I was led down a wrong path thinking about some of these people. Maybe I shouldn't condemn people and say they're the evil enemy terrorist because they said a slogan that they had no idea what one bad and one or two bad interpretations of it was. This is something going on with the and look, I know both sides of all of this. I like I said, I, I'm for the people of both of these sides, and I'm against the leaders of it because leaders are fucking con artists. They piss me off. But this whole what what is the slogan that they say? They say from the river to the sea, right? I looked that up the other day because I was trying to. I was like, I always hear one side say that this means they want to kill all the Jews, and 
then I hear people say that slogan that I'm like, I, it's like a celebrity or uh, somebody that uh, I might know on social media. I'm like, I don't think this person who just said that wants to kill all the Jews. Surely they, surely they don't know what that means or there's other meanings to it, right? So I looked it up and there's like 50 different meanings to it. It's been, it's been used by Israelis running for office, same slogan who had a different interpretation. It's been used by multiple different groups in Palestine, some who had a, 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 an interpretation that was not kill all the Jews, others who did have an interpretation. So when you, it's just like the word democracy. It's a glittering generality. Is you take a vague word that is never clearly defined and it's flexible enough to where you can apply it and warp it to your own demented or positive meaning, but now a situation like this comes and nobody knows what it means and the predominant meaning that people believed it to mean that shows up ends up being the worst possible one, right? Because Hamas was, <sighs> Hamas was involved. But not, I don't think everybody who says that has any idea what it means or any idea what, what the people who, who know the worst interpretation of it and think that the worst interpretation of it is the only one means. It's so confusing. So we need to stop calling people terrorists who live in America and who are 20 years old because they go to a protest because maybe they thought a hot chick was there because they're stupid. Kid, you're stu- when you're 20 years old, I'm sorry, I was 20 years old once, you are so stupid. Humans are never stupider. Than, than they are between the ages of like 18 and 25. Those are the dumbest years of our lives. The, the reason why is because we think that we're so smart. When we get to be 18, we, 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 that period of our lives, we never think we're smarter than we do than between the years of 18 and 25. Yet the reality is that we are never dumber than between those years, right? So that's why those are dangerous years. So somebody that age is out there shouting a freaking slogan, they don't know what they're doing. They're stupid. They haven't looked it up. They're trying to impress somebody. Let's not condemn them as terrorists and try to ruin their lives and cancel them. How about we talk to people? Like, this is the problem. I don't like Ben Shapiro. I just don't like him. Okay, but he, he's smart. He's very, very smart. I know a lot of people that like him. He's good. Like the guy, he's a good debater. I mean, he's a very intelligent person, but anybody who's paid attention for him to him for a while, you've noticed that domestically on those issues, he's typically pretty good on. But it never fails that on international war issues, the dude is a war mongerer. And that has never become more apparent than right now. It's this, he debates these college kids. He debates these stupid college kids, okay? These idiots. You're an idiot. You are dumb as F when you're in college. Stupid. I, I dyed my hair blonde when I was in college. I looked like an idiot. You're stupid in college, okay? I mean, it's just, it, 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 we could spend three hours, actually it's been three days, going down the list of stupid things I did. When I was that age. And Ben Shapiro is going and dominating these pro-Palestinian terrorists in these debates. You know what happens when he does that? Because he goes to these, I think he, well, you know, I, I should check that before now. I just assumed he probably goes to some Ivy League schools, but I actually don't know that. But either way, when he does that to these kids, when he embarrasses them, and that's how they're going to feel, many of them. You know what they're going to do? 
they're going to go the other way. They're not going to listen to him. They're going to radicalize the other way. The best book I've ever read in my life, I gave this book to all of my nieces and nephews like years ago. I don't know if they read it, but like I got kid versions of it. It's just such a, it is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It is the best book that, that you could ever read for anything. Like I used to hate all of those books. I hated them until I started reading that when I was like, holy smokes, this is the best, because it's all about like empathy and it's all about like, you know, you're never going to win an argument. You never win an argument. All you do is piss off the person you argued with. You don't win arguments. That's why when people argue with their wives and girlfriends, even if you think you, even if you made the best point and you, and you would have won in a court of law, you know what? You're not getting any of that, you know, you know what I mean? You're not getting any of that for a few weeks because you have pissed them off. You've made them feel bad about themselves. So Ben Shapiro going and annihilating a bunch of college idiot kids because he knows more because he, he knows more dictionary facts. That's, that's what it is. It's dictionary facts and I talk real fast. That's what he does. He's not helping anything here. He's creating more people who are, who are going to just be angry, and it pisses me off. Empathy is what we have to have. We have to stop letting them turn us against each other. We have to stop with the knee-jerk reactions. I didn't even I, – I didn't do anything I was going to do on this show. I do that, man. Just go into this – well, I, I kind of covered it, just not exactly the way that I did. So – Here's the billionaire guy's name. His name is Simon Fallick, where um, Bibi Netanyahu lives, this lap of luxury. Let me go through the, the Gaza guys, the uh, Hamas guys, if I didn't cover it all. So while everybody else on the front line's dying and people protesting and whatnot, I already mentioned that. Um, and they're destroying the infrastructure. The, the, the leader of Hamas are not in the tunnels. They're not out there under the rubble of the destroyed infrastructure and buildings. The top three leaders of Hamas, uh, they're worth $11 billion, so it was a, a couple billion off. They are enjoying the lap of luxury in the safe haven of Qatar, uh, um, out of harm's reach, and uh, as the protests evolve and fights and, and, and death uh, comes to America because of what they have caused, these dudes are literally, uh, um, like I said, they, they have an article about this asshole because of his love for ping pong, and they show this beautiful ping pong table. It's probably made of gold, for all we know, in his multi-million dollar villa, which is literally down the street from an American uh, uh, military command center. Our guys are probably in, you know, a few minutes driving distance from the leaders of the October 7th attack. And we're just cool with them. There's like an understanding that all of these string pullers are buddies. Yeah, they're going to fist bump and then they're just going to kill all of us because we are pawns and they are the chess players. And after the game, they bro hug and go fuck hookers together. Excuse my language. It pisses me off. And it pisses me off that their divide and rule strategy is conning so many people. I need to get to this shit. This has been way too effing long. I'm sorry. I got to skip here. So BB Netanyahu. Yeah, I got to get this show going here. Uh, yeah, so his sons of Miami, yeah, I went through all that, whatever. Just remember that. Remember that when you're yelling at people, when you're at a protest. Remember that the people who pulled us into all this, the leaders of the warring sides, they're not warring at all. Don't forget that. Like, that's, that's an important thing to remember. They're eating caviar. They're, they're just sleeping on clouds. They're 
castles in the sky, shoving butt plugs up their ass because they're all into weird shit like that. So, all right, back to this guy, Paul Kessler. I'm going to race through this because I just rambled forever. This Paul Kessler guy, because I, I think this stuff is important. What, what I want to illustrate here is I want to illustrate how people who were advocating for justice, were advocating for a reason and a uh, presumption of innocence with Trump have completely flipped and how by doing this, this plays right into the hands of those who want to tear us apart and how if we do not stop this, like people's awful reactions – I am rambling. I'm, I'm, I'm tired this morning, so I apologize. But Paul Kessler, the Jewish guy who died, uh, he's actually, the news describes, he's a counter-protester, right? Uh, so some of the articles said that there was dueling rallies. It was a rally that the pro-Palestinians, it was their event, and the event, according to the police, was advertised as being one that told everyone to be peaceful and to not engage into any chicanery. But everybody has to say that, we know. And the counter-protesters at Paul Kessler, the Jewish group, they showed up to this Palestinian uh, march or whatever it was. And the police did say that both sides advertised on their social media to be peaceful. So both sides said that, okay? Um, Excuse me. The event was called the Freedom for Palestinians. Let me get one of these things up here. Look at my tired mug here. Where's that? So you see this stuff on screen here. A lot of this stuff is just unverified. From, of course, it's the Daily Mail, but what do you expect? Um, I'm going to show you some tweets, some crazy tweets that people made. The, the police, the basic story, <laughs> well, I started this story like 10 minutes in. It's an hour and 10 minutes in. An hour later, the basic story is that this guy, according to police, there was a skirmish. He fell backwards, hit his head. Ultimately, that was the cause of death, according to the, to the, uh, the medical examiner. And they aren't sure if there was an intervening blow that may or may not have been by a megaphone. This is a, they don't know. They hit him in the face and knocked him down. So th- this is what they're trying to determine. Th- these are the questions that they're investigating. What caused the fall that led to him hitting his head? Who was the aggressor? And what was the intent on either side? These are unanswered questions. Right. There's, I'm going to play you some clips from the press conference, but that's the gist of it. I mean, there's a lot of claims right now going around that have not been cooperated because there's a lack of video evidence because the one video, apparently the one video that was from a gas station camera that might have captured what happened definitively, the view was obscured by the giant gasoline. The, the price sign was in the way, and you can see it in some of the pictures and that's the only video we got. We have a billion videos about every baby death in Israel and Palestine. But we have one obscure video of this protester fight in California. Okay. Give me a break. So there's other videos, obviously. But will they show them? That's the thing. If the video is not one that results in the public being further divided... My, I don't think they would show it to us. If they had a video that showed one way or another that one person was definitely at fault and the other one was not, whichever one, I don't think they would show it to us because clear, clean conclusions dissipate tension. And their whole goal is to continue bubbling tension up. So 
I'm certain they have other videos and they are calling for other videos, but they're only going to show them to us if they make us more likely to hate and fight with each other and not go, oh, okay, we all agree. That's the last thing they want. They will never show us something that makes the Israelis and the Palestinians go, oh, sorry, we yelled at each other. This is very obvious what happened here. Shake my hand. Let's go to a kibbutz and have some, you know, I don't know what they eat, whatever. They're not going to do any of that. I don't know if Palestinians go to kibbutzes. I don't even know what a kibbutz is. I've just heard this word in the news from like Jake Tapper and President Biden that I'd never heard before in my life. Probably because I'm not cultured like that. But I don't think they know what it means. I think they just start saying kibbutz with a, a matter-of-fact face, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Joe Biden doesn't know what a kibbutz is. Joe Biden thinks a, a kibbutz is something uh, uh, on somebody's daughter that you smell, is what Joe Biden probably thinks. He's a pervert. He showered with his daughter. And nobody talks about the fact that the president's daughter wrote a diary about how her dad, the president, messed her up sexually because he would shower with her when she was like 14. Nobody even talks about that. Except I'm sure Hunter does, because Hunter's like, I, why wouldn't you shower with me, Dad? That's why I started smoking crack. Because he wasn't, he, why wouldn't Daddy shower with Hunter? This is a twisted family leading our country. It's really messed up. <laughs> when you think of it, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of hilarious, but it's just messed up how corrupt our government is. Okay, derailed again. Back into what was going on. So who was the aggressor? All right. The video, I told you about that. Uh, the investigation ongoing. So, so there's all these like holes in the story, right? And this is this was really an opportunity for people who championed, you know, due process for Trump, who championed innocent until proven guilty for Trump, and who rightfully were angered and spoke out when the justice system was weaponized and abused just so abused blatantly against him and against others with the January 6th stuff. People, I mean, rightful, justified anger, the same people. What a perfect opportunity this was for them to demonstrate that same level of measurement, same level of, you know, let's, let's respect the Constitution and the justice system, even though these are, this might be a person or a group of people that I oppose. And, well, they squandered that opportunity because they, they completely failed at it, most of them. They went the opposite way with it and decided that no, no longer do any of those principles that they, they demanded that Trump get and January 6th people get. They, they no longer apply. I'm going to show you some tweets here. All right. I'm going to show you, I'm going to do two things here which I intended to do an hour ago. I'm going to first show you the tweets that went viral about this story, the conclusions that were drawn without question that were all over Twitter or X and that many mainstream news outlets also propagated. And then I'm going to play for you the news conference, some clips from the news conference to see how these conclusions they drew how they square with the actual facts. Let me get this up on screen. Get that out of here. All right. So look at this here. This is 
That's the wrong one. Okay. So this is a tweet that I'm going to refresh it to see how many has been shared now. This is a tweet that has, has 435 comments. It has 2,500 shares and it has 3,400 hearts and 51 bookmarks. Here's what it says. And, and this was kind of the, the predominant message that you saw going around about this story. It says, A 65-year-old Jewish man named Paul Kessler was murdered by a pro-Hamas supporter in Westlake Village, California, for holding an Israeli flag. He was hit over the head with a megaphone and died from a brain hemorrhage. The group, as he put, as he was put, I assume, into the ambulance. Wait, the group cheered as he was put into the ambulance. And then she wrote in all caps, hate, exclamation point. And so her evidence for the claims within that is there's an image on screen that she does two images. One of them is Mr. Kessler holding an Israeli flag. And then the image next to it is Mr. Kessler on the ground after he had fallen and hit in his head. Or as she said, after he was hit over the head with a megaphone. And so she's not very clear in what she believes there. But putting those images side by side as if one was right before the other and one was the causation of the other is straight up propaganda from an account. I'm not even going to show the account because I, I, this is somebody that I, you can probably see it actually on screen. I was surprised that this person was just so enthusiastically spreading pure propaganda. I don't even think that, that they know. And I know that a lot of people who have shared this and just blindly agreed with it don't actually, they think that this is correct. They have projected assumptions that are not yet in fact. Okay. Now, maybe some of this stuff does get proven, but that doesn't justify condemning someone and robbing them of their their constitutional right to due process and the right to a presumption of innocence just because you want something to be true because of whatever hate you've been filled with towards another group. What good does that do? What does that help to just presume someone is evil and bad and guilty before the evidence comes in? How is that a better thing to do than taking a breath and waiting until the evidence comes in and seeing what it proves and what it doesn't? That does not serve anything except to fuel the rage, the tension, and, and, and the violence, okay? Taking a breath, stepping back, prevents all of that. It does. There's no benefits. I, I challenge anyone who has these knee-jerk reactions, who's, who immediately shouts down people, who says, wait a minute, maybe we should take a pause and, and see what happens and wait for the evidence and the investigation, and then shouts them down and says, oh, you sound like a sympathizer. Anybody who has that mentality or attitude for this situation or for any other situation, Russia, Trump, whatever, I challenge you to tell me what the benefit is of knee-jerk reactions and condemning anyone who says, Let's wait. Let's commit to the presumption of innocence. Tell me how it's beneficial to say, screw the Constitution. Let's decide right now because we know in our heart, despite the evidence, 
even though it's not in our heart knows. Nothing, absolutely nothing comes from that that is good. This is how they destroy us. This is they have convinced the people who were reasonable to be unreasonable and the people who've been unreasonable are are just as unreasonable as they've always been. And and the few people who have maintained, despite all of the ridicule and and the accusations and and the the condemnation by public figures, the few people uh, uh, who have maintained their reason are drowned out just like they are before every freaking war. Every freaking war. The crazies on each side are convinced that war is the best thing, even if they've been opposite of that position for the years leading up to it. And then the people who say, wait a minute, we're consistent about our anti-war position. How come everybody else seems to have flipped? I have a few questions. And the very you know, idea of questioning it is the thing that both of these sides who are now just horny for war condemn those who ask them as being enemies of the state. I've talked about this a number of times. A guy who ran for president in 2020 was imprisoned because he was anti-war. He questioned it and they put him in prison. This is happening. We could stop it. We have to stop giving in to the divide and conquer bullshit. Stop hating the people they tell you to hate because the more you do it, the easy, easier you are to con. I don't care how good it feels. I don't care. Don't assume the worst of every single person who you've been told believes something because of a statement that they probably don't know what anything means that they made or, or anything that they signed. They're dumb. They're young. They're stupid. Do you, do you want to open their eyes? Don't yell at them and tell them they're canceled. Just like we got so angry at the other side for doing for the years leading up to it. Wake the fuck up and realize you're doing the same shit that you got so mad at the other side for doing. It's fucking crazy, man. You don't have to fucking take a side. Maybe some of you do. Maybe you're bought and paid for. I don't know. Not, not you guys. You know what I mean. It's just the flip that some people made is so disgusting to me. And again, I'm not in anybody's side on this. I'm on the people's side. I, the leaders, you, you know how I feel. They're living in the laps of luxury. We should pull those motherfuckers out of their guitar, fucking uh, uh, wh- whatever. They're, they're just fairy tale of virgins. They have $1,000 mattresses and caviar. Pull them out of there. Pull BB out of his little multi-million dollar billionaire owned uh, house and his private chef and his bunker and the upgraded security. Let's put those motherfuckers in the Coliseum. Let's put those guys who are behind all of this shit, who seem to be buddies, basically, not going after each other, killing everybody else's children. Let's put them in the Coliseum and let's make those motherfuckers fight it out to the death. Because they are the ones who are responsible for what's happening, not only over there, but in America. This guy, if, this guy, if he's dead, his death rests completely on the shoulders of Bibi Netanyahu and the leaders of Hamas and Qatar and Joe Biden and all these motherfuckers who do nothing but lie to all of us and make us think we have to fight and hate. His death is on their shoulders and they need to be brought, they need to be forced to fight it out themselves. 
If they want everybody else to fight a war, they have to be on the front lines. Stop giving in to their fucking bullshit divide and rule. I'm going to say that over and over again. Because it, it, it's, it's just so like, that's why propaganda is so difficult. It's so difficult. As you can understand it, we all understand it intellectually, but when our heart is committed and we know, we think we know in our heart, it's like love almost. I mean, that's like the idea is they have um, resonance. It's in a, a propaganda literature is the goal of propaganda. One of the goals is to create resonance within the target. And resonance, the way they mean it is the propagandists have an idea or they have something that they, they – the propagandists have a, an idea that they have decided that they are going to uh, implement. But they need the people to think that they – spontaneously came up with the idea on their own. And that spontaneous um, ideation that they have is called the resonance. I, the resonance inside of them, oh my gosh, the light bulb went off. And so the propaganda is designed to create that spontaneous light bulb and that feeling of resonance. Oh, I had this idea, but the idea was already going to be put into play all along. Now, maybe the idea is good. Maybe it actually benefits you, but I don't think any of these wars benefit the people. I don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't like war. It's a game that the, they, they, they treat us, they, they treat us like little pieces on a board. I mean, don't you get tired of that? Wouldn't you rather be going after the people who, who move us around? And, you know, strategize us and leverage us instead of the other pieces on their grand board. Aren't you tired of firebombing the knights and the kings who are just, you know, a little bit behind you on the chessboard? Don't you want to go after the person whose hands are, are, are just pulling your head around and putting you wherever they want? I'm already on a list, so I'm sure this, if I'm not, then this will definitely do it. It just, it, I don't, I don't like any war. I've never liked any war. I'm anti-war. What, in an ideal world for me, and I know the world's not ideal, but an ideal world is everybody, and it's very hard. It's emotional triggers are powerful. But in an ideal world, society learns to be more Spock-like. We can't, you know, abandon emotion. Emotion's very important. But we learn how to regulate our emotion, and we learn how to be wise to their tricks. Because... Their power is their tricks. Their power is, is their ability to brainwash us. And we have yet, as, as, a, as a society, to be able to overcome that. What the hell was I talking about? Okay, so like 20 minutes ago, I was like, here's the tweet I'm going to show you. God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's been a long week. Did I put that on screen? Yes, yeah, so I read you that tweet. Now, the claims, here's the tweet again since I took such a long break. A 65-year-old Jewish man named Paul Kaiser was murdered by a pro-Hamas supporter in West Village, California, for holding an Israeli flag. He was hit over the head with a megaphone and died from a brain hemorrhage. The group cheered as he, as he was put into the ambulance. Hate. Okay. So now, um, another claim along with that one that's been expressed in many of the news outlets is that this was, without a doubt, an anti-Semitic hate crime. 
So these are the things that have been asserted that nobody has questioned. And, and the, the few who do question have been called terrorist sympathizers and just attacked. It's crazy. All right, my screen went out there for a minute. It tends to do that. Let's get this back up. I need to get these. I just need to show you this stuff and exit out. So, all right. So, so he killed. The, so he's like, there's a guy with an Israeli flag. I'm going to bludgeon him until his brain hemorrhages with this megaphone uh, because I hate him and I'm anti-Semitic. That's the claim. And the evidence in support of the claim are these two pictures, which are completely, you have no idea what the context is of those pictures. And then this person includes more evidence. And that evidence is the, the death or the uh, medical report, the autopsy report. And the autopsy report, they, they, this person puts the picture underneath it as evidence to support the above claims and has a line, a red line underneath what I'm presuming is the evidence proving the above claims. And so it says before that, it says the county medical examiner's office and then the underlined portion says determined the cause of death to be blunt force head injury and the manner of death homicide. Okay. That seems, wow, that, that is very conclusive. And it seems like the implication here, based on the red line and the way this is presented, is that homicide is the same as murder. It's not. We'll hear that in a second. This is very dangerous. There's even a community notes that does not clarify what this means. And if they don't change it, it will lead to people coming up with the wrong presumption about what happened, and it will lead to more violence. This is the same thing happened with a George Floyd Autopsy. One of the autopsies uses the exact same term because this is a medical term in this context. It's not a legal term, but they're either stupidly they don't know, they didn't look it up, or they're trying to lead people to believe that this means it was murder. It does not. It's a neutral term. So here's the press conference. The medical examiner will eventually explain. First, here is the the just just to kind of compare and contrast the claims in that text with what the press conference said. Here he is. This is the police uh, heading up the investigation. Jim Fryhoff. Sense of this incident. And if criminal wrongdoing is discovered to bring the person or persons responsible to justice. So I I, like- just so if criminal wrongdoing was discovered to bring the person responsible to justice. So they have yet to find enough evidence to uh, uh, to meet an evidentiary standard in court that uh, um, proves a crime. But they're looking, right? So maybe, but they haven't yet. That that counters what the the you know the people on on X they seem to have found all of it, but the police have yet to. Now, here is just to give you what the flyers distributed, just so we're clear on, on what was going on leading up to and, and what this event was. Here they are talking about the flyers and and, and the groups involved. Flyers distributed on social media indicated a demonstration for. Freedom for Palestine protest, and the counter protest was led by We Are Pro Israel. Okay, now look, these are activists. This is what activists do they counter protest and they mess with each other. So I'm not condemning the pro Israel group by pointing out that they showed up to the, the pro Palestinians pre planned whatever it is they were doing. 
All right. So they were the ones who showed up as like Karate Kid, where the rival gang shows up just to screw with, with their, uh, their enemy. We're going to come mess with you. I'm sure the, the pro-Israel gang does the same thing because this is what activists do. But that is an important fact. If I am the I should say this. If I am the lawyer representing the suspect, this to me is a very important fact. That's how I'm going to talk about this. Now, j- just so, because this X post makes it seem like the guy was hit over the head and then instantly died. L- let's hear a little bit more about the context of what happened when the police showed up and found the guy. 4 p.m., two additional patrol deputies arrived on scene. The sergeant contacted the victim, identified as 69-year-old Paul Kessler, a Thousand Oaks resident, who was lying on the ground. Mr. Kessler was conscious and responsive. The sergeant observed what he saw was bleeding from the head and mouth. Medical personnel from the Ventura County Fire Department arrived on the scene and began providing aid to Mr. Kessler. Mr. Kessler was then transported to a local hospital by paramedics for advanced medical treatment. Mr. Kessel remained conscious while being transported to the hospital. The suspect was identified, willingly remained at the scene, and was... All right, so I, I wanted to play that one separately. So he didn't die right there. He, he, went, he was conscious. He talked to police. He went to the hospital. The police actually talked to him at the hospital, and I think it was the next night the police got a call, and his, um, uh, his condition had deteriorated, and he ultimately... Uh, he, he died, and it's tragic. It, it's like this did not need to happen. This is such an unnecessary death. It's sad. I mean, it really is. Truly, it's like it pisses me off because this guy should be alive right now. There's no reason for this. It's stupid. They're they're acting like children out there, all filled with rage, and you know, it, it just it's so dumb. They're, 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 they were conned into doing this. It pisses me off, man. Now, now, here is what he just went into there. Is Remember, the conclusion on X that went viral and was reported in, in the media a lot is that this was a pro-Hamas person who committed an anti-Semitic hate crime, who murdered a, a, a pro-Israeli person for the, for the simple... for the. Only reason was because he saw that Israeli flag and said, I got to murder that guy. That, that was the conclusion drawn. See how this tracks with that. To the hospital. The suspect was identified, willingly remained at the scene, and was interviewed by deputies. The suspect was cooperative and indicated he was involved in an altercation with Mr. Kessler. The suspect further stated that he was one of the reporting parties who called 911 requesting medical attention for Mr. Kessler. Several witnesses were contacted at the northwest corner of the intersection where the Shell gas station is. I'm going to stop it there because that's also an important clip. Is that something that, does that sound very pro-Hamas and hate crime? Is that, is that what they, t- do pro-Hamas people, terrorists, do they typically try to murder someone and then when the person's not all the way dead suddenly decide to call 911 and ask for medical attention and then stick around and cooperate with police is that is that like a a policy that Hamas follows i don't think it is that sounds more to me like someone who 
got caught up in a protest situation with another activist. They were both extreme radical activists, in my opinion. And they got carried away doing something that they have been doing for decades. And this time, though, they lost control. They, they were not able to contain themselves. And the worst case scenario happened. And to me, these are the actions of someone who suddenly had a, oh, shit, sobering. I, I, I immediately, like, like, who wants desperately for this person who fell to live. Who desperately wants this person to live. That's what these actions sound like to me. Who's like, I can't believe what just happened. It doesn't sound like someone who, was tr- who, was, who saw an Israeli flag and said, I'm going to murder that person. Yeah, he, he called, not, yeah, uh, I'm a Hamas terrorist calling 911. I tried to murder someone and I, I, I failed. Could you please come help the person I failed at murdering? And yes, I'll cooperate. I had, I, had I been successful in the murder of the Jewish person, I would have fled. But since I failed, I'll cooperate now. I'm, you know, oops. That, that's not, that doesn't make any sense. The same thing with a hate crime. People who commit hate crimes don't call the police on the people they committed the crime against and then wait around and cooperate, cooperate with police. This information does not fit with the narrative that people are insisting on spreading. There can be a middle, it can be a gray area, okay? It doesn't have to be, one person is correct and one is, is, is wrong and one is evil, one is good. There can be two people are doing stupid shit and they both share responsibility for this fucked up, awful situation. And I'll tell you what I think, my speculations. I, I, I sh- I'm not going to get into that yet. Nobody deserves to die like this. This is the stupidest shit ever. And I hate, neither one of them should have been in this situation. They have children, probably grandchildren, friends and family. And they, they put themselves in this situation to cause us. It, it pisses me off for the people who, who, who lost someone because they, they didn't have to. They didn't need to. Fuck them, man, for doing this stupid shit. Fuck them for fucking being children and continuing. Because this guy's 70. The, the, the guy, other guy I think is 50 or 60. Continuing to fall for this divide and conquer propaganda that led to this situation that resulted in someone losing a dad and someone losing a husband. He should be alive. But they could, not, they could not see that the only way that they could be conquered is by continuing to fight like this. If they embraced and they were cool with each other, the power structure that manipulates them, they would, it would dissipate. It would collapse. You cannot be conquered if you embrace those who you are convinced you must hate. I'm telling you. All right, here's stuff about the witnesses and the statements. Several witnesses were contacted at the northwest corner of the intersection where the Shell gas station is located, and they were interviewed. These witnesses providing conflicting statements about what the altercation and who the aggressor was. Some of the witnesses were pro-Palestine, while others were pro-Israel. During the investigation at the scene, deputies determined that the altercation with Mr. Kessler, he fell backward and struck his head on the ground. What exactly transpired prior to Mr. Kessler Falling backward isn't. All right. So there, there's the conundrum. They don't have a camera view because it's blocked by the sign. They don't have reliable witnesses because you have two enemies telling you conflicting stories. Maybe they both believe the stories they're telling. I, I don't know. People believe their narrative, their own narratives. But the media would tell us 
like I heard CNN say this the other day and I heard guests they have on where somebody said, well, how do you know who to believe when there's disinformation and, and you know, stories coming out of both sides, Israel and uh, Hamas? And, and the response was, oh, it's easy. You believe Israel. And okay, whatever with your standard there. That's not a standard that applies to the American justice system. You can't just say, well, you're, you're saying this one thing and you're saying the other. I choose to believe you. That's just not how it works. You have to have actual corroborating evidence that you can link to what happened to prove it that meets an evidentiary standard. This is why our justice system protects us from these con artists. And if we do not commit to this, if we do not stay strong to this, even when we do not like the people or, or we think we hate them or we're certain that they're guilty, if we do not afford them the same presumption of innocence and rights as we do Trump or anybody else that we like or that we think is being wrong, if we do not do that, then America will collapse and it will happen quickly. This is our protection against these con artists is upholding these principles of our justice system and the presumption of innocence, even for the people that we're certain are guilty, but we can't yet prove it, okay? You're not, by, by, by yelling at people who say, let's wait for the evidence, by, by condemning them and saying they're just like the terrorists, which or it's all over social media, which I feel like I can't even say stuff like this sometimes because people are going to yell at me. By doing this and making people feel this way, you are helping nothing other than the collapse of the American justice system and of Western society. So stop being a little fucking weak bitch, an emotional bitch, and fucking man up and take a breath even when you hate someone and are certain that they are guilty because they get the same fucking rights as a person you love, as Donald Trump, as you, as everybody fucking else. It's the only way that this shit works, and that's our best protection for these fucking psychopaths who are living in multi-million dollar villas, eating caviar off of fucking AI humanoid robots from Mars. It's, 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 the, it's the way they depend on us to fail, to be hypocrites and they depend on us to apply one standard to one group and another to, to another that we dislike, to revealing ourselves to be the same uh, uh, unprincipled scum as we've been calling them for years. So stop being unprincipled scum. That's the message. Okay. I, I don't care if they tell you it's, this is a biblical war. I can, I, I can promise you this. I said this already, but I'll say it again. Bibi Netanyahu does not think that this is revelations or whatever. He does not think that the Bible prophecy is coming true. He's using that because he knows how powerful it is, and he knows he can convince people in Congress to, to go along with whatever he says. I don't know if you've seen the video clips of him talking about how easy America is to just get to go along. Bibi Netanyahu does not believe the shit he says. The people in Hamas, I don't even, the, the Hamas leaders, they're, they're, getting, they're in spas, getting back rubs and hand jobs all day. And why aren't they killing, why aren't they going out, why isn't Bibi Netanyahu sending the IDF into the spas where all these billionaire uh, uh, Hamas leaders are getting blowjobs all day and playing ping pong? And why isn't Hamas sending uh, their, their asshole terrorist uh, uh, over to Bibi Netanyahu's billionaire mansion with a bunker and a private, because 
they are cool with each other. I can't say that enough. Stop being mad at people who've been brainwashed just like many of us have. It's cool to fu- Everybody doesn't have to fucking know everything all the fucking time. I'm not mad at you guys. I just get angry thinking about this. I don't, this, this, this story, like I said, I don't even know if it's real, but I am approaching it like it is and like a man died. And I don't like when people lose people prematurely. I think it's sad. It, 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 it hurt. It like, there's nothing more devastating in a person's life than when they lose someone that they love. A wife, a mom, a dad, a sibling, a friend. There's nothing sadder. It, it, it punches you in the fucking gut and it changes your perspective on life forever. You're never the same again when it happens. And you don't know when it's going to happen. Often. I mean, you're blindsided by it. You're going on with the same stuff every day, whatever, whatever you're doing. And all of a sudden, your world is just, is just shaken. Like to its core, everything changes. And we all feel that personally when it happens to us. When it happens to those that we don't know, that we're distant, it's hard to be empathetic, completely deep empathy to everyone all the time. It's not easy. I mean, the globalist psychopaths are great at never being empathetic. But this story to me, and I know some people are going to say false flag, and it might be. If we say, if we accept that it's true, this is one of the dumbest losses of life, losses of a father and a husband that I have ever come across. It's so sad to me, even putting this story out there. A couple of old men whipped up in an emotional stir by, by some con artists who, who actually don't even care about the things that they have convinced them are the most important things in their life and worth fighting each other for. And then one of them dies because uh, they, they, they pulled each other around and we don't know yet. And he, it's just so stupid. Don't go to these traps, man. I fucking hate this shit. I didn't mean to be so dark and dire today, man. I actually had some funny stuff I was going to get to. I'm not, I'm not funny today. Well, it's just, look at this guy. This guy, what is... He's a very uncomfortable medical examiner, this guy back here. He looks like he's actually a cook at like a Taco Mac. All right, so here's what he... I'm going to skip to the guy... Um, they, they have not ruled out the possibility of a hate crime. I'll skip that one. So they have not ruled that out. They are investigating that. Uh, the guy fell backwards. Here's what he said. About what the altercation uh, So this is the question the investigators are pursuing. This is the main question that everybody else seems to think they have answered. And who the aggressor was. Some of the witnesses providing conflicting statements about what the altercation and who the aggressor was. Some of the witnesses were pro-Palestine, while others were pro-Israel. During the investigation... At the scene, deputies determined that the altercation with Mr. Kessler, he fell backward and struck his head on the ground. What exactly transpired prior to Mr. Kessler falling backward isn't crystal clear right now. At 4.02 p.m., a deputy and sergeant arrived at Los Robles Hospital where Mr. Kessler was being treated. Soon after, the deputy still at Westlake Boulevard and Thousand Oaks cleared the scene. 
Mr. Kessler was listed as being in critical condition by Los Robles hospital staff. However, he was still conscious when contacted by deputies at the hospital. At 5.32 p.m., the deputies at the hospital cleared the call and documented the incident pending follow-up investigation by detectives from the Thousand Oaks Police Department. On November 6th, at approximately two... That's when he died. But the question they're looking for is what I mentioned earlier. He had the hit on his face, which was a non-lethal hit. He had the one on his back, which was a lethal hit. Did the one on the face lead to the one on the back? Now, it's easy to assume, say, yeah, of course it did, but you'd be surprised. There's a lot of other potential explanations for this. It's easy to jump and say, of course, if you're emotionally invested. If you're not and you look at it like like a a lawyer would or like, uh, you know, a good way to approach these things if you want to get yourself out of – because we all get emotionally invested in in certain sides about certain issues. It's it's, We're human. But – I find a good way to kind of separate myself from it is to pretend I am the lawyer for the the uh, the other side, whichever side. Uh, whatever. Here, I'm not I'm not emotionally emotionally invested in either one, but just the defendant or the uh, the suspect. If I think about it, like I am this person's lawyer, how would I approach defending this person if I were? His lawyer. And like I said earlier, one of the pieces of information that stands out to me is the fact that they set up the rally and that the the that the others showed up to mess with them. That's how, if I were his lawyer, I would try and frame the other guy as the aggressor, at least as evidence of being the aggressor. You know, I'm not his lawyer, but I, I can guarantee you that's what they're going to do. This is the guy, the medical examiner, talking about the autopsy and the non-lethal injuries. And then we're going to get into what it actually means when you see the word homicide on one of these reports. Because it doesn't mean what people think it means. Here he is. Yeah, here he is describing the injuries. Uh, continued to deteriorate and death was pronounced on November 6th That's, at uh, 1.10 a.m. Sorry. Of November 6th. Uh, the autopsy demonstrated uh, non-lethal injuries to the left side of Mr. Kessler's face. Additional injuries included injury to the back of the head. These injuries are consistent with and typical of injuries sustained from a fall. Okay, so yeah, now the question is what caused the fall, as I mentioned earlier. Did, did he say that earlier or did I play the, the wrong clip there? All right, so now here, the guy, he explains a couple times what homicide actually means. Now, the implication on that X tweet and also this community notes I'll show you in a minute is that homicide is murder. Like, that's the goal. It's not what it means. Like, the same people were, were pointing this very fact out when one of George Floyd's medical examiners used the same term. Also, didn't mean murder there either. It's a neutral effing term in this context. All you have to do is look it up, but people just want to jump on it like we got them. They don't, you don't have them. Here he is uh, explaining it. The cause of death has been certified as blunt force head trauma. The manner of death is homicide. Uh, The the manner of death is a medical legal determination. Um, A manner of death of homicide does not indicate that a crime has been committed. And that's, that's important. It's a neutral thing. 
So it's not illegal. It's not the court, the lawyer, the, the justice. It's the medical. There's five different classifications that, uh, med, uh, that uh, uh, an examiner can classify a death. And homicide is one of them, which means that somebody else was – there's an interaction before the death. It doesn't imply guilt. It doesn't imply intent. Yet it's spreading around on the internet as though it's the proof uh, of guilt. It's not. It's not the proof of guilt. This is a ter- determination that is made by the district attorney's office. Um, when, when a- yeah, it's, it's, the district attorney makes that, and then he says that he, he talks about it again. He kind of, this guy's kind of, it's a little nervous, but he explains it better more clearly in a second. And then I'm going to read you an actual definition of what it means from a tweet that I made earlier, trying to correct, a, I tried to correct a community notes. I didn't realize that you had to apply to correct community notes, but there's like a really dangerously wrong community notes going around about this that everybody seems to think right, think is right because community notes, people hold the, to the highest esteem now. I don't anymore after seeing this community notes that implies that homicide is murder. It's, and if people believe it, it's going to lead to more tension and violence. It's bullshit. I'm just playing these just to show you that the narrative that's it's spreading about these, that people are being so radical about, that they are, they are either willfully blind because they want so badly. I don't know why. I don't know why. Why would you want this to be a hate crime? Why would you want this to be the worst possible uh, um, explanation? Because the worst possible explanation, he killed him because he hates Jews and he saw that flag and he wanted to, and he, he's like, I'm going to murder this guy in a hate crime. Th- that is the explanation that is the, the most likely to lead to more violence uh, infighting in the destruction of this country. Why would people desire so badly for that to be the explanation? So badly that they, they accept it first instead of looking at, like, maybe there's an other. Ex- multiple other uh, explanations for this. Like, I don't get it. People who claim to not want war and want peace are like, let me just grab on to the most radical uh, country-destructing explanation to this story possible and then spread it everywhere without evidence. I-, I don't get that. Like, it doesn't serve their best interest at all. Like, being right does not feel that good you know, I know like hate and bloodlust. People are really into this fucking hate and bloodlust, but I'm telling you, it, it's not good what they're convincing people to do. We don't need to tear each other apart. We need to give each other the benefit of doubt and express empathy and talk to each other like adults. We need to fucking man up and stop fucking being emotional bitches and fighting with each other on Twitter and fucking bitch slapping each other at protest and, and just sucking our fucking thumbs while the country crumbles. It, it, people need to fucking wake up and man up. I don't care if you got your dick cut off and you're a tranny. Fucking wake up and man up. What do they do with this? With the skin? I'm sure they have maybe they put them in like a jar and they donate them to somebody else. I, I don't know. What clip am I looking for? Oh, so this here he, he's ex- the, the cop is explaining the confusion. I can just tell you that the information we're getting is conflicting with one another. There was clear, clearly an interaction between the two, but what that level of interaction is, is still unclear. That's why we're asking for any video footage that we can have 
the one camera angle that I think you have all seen that's uh, from the Shell station is unfortunately blocked by the, the message board indicating yeah, gas so prices. Right. And so we cannot see that from that angle. The so one camera. Somebody has video that can help shed some light on what occurred leading up to Mr. Kessler falling and hitting his head. Yeah, all, the cam- all the cameras are in Israel and, and Gaza. Nobody has any cameras left. They've been shipped over with the weapons packages. The one camera. Give me a break. Nobody had a camera. I'll tell you what I think. I think there was a camera, actually. And I'll tell you what I think happened after we get through this. I'm sorry this has taken so long. I hope that some of this information is valuable. It's been a bit of a long week, and I did not intend to make this a marathon show, but it's become a marathon show. What the F, dude? So I apologize for that. So I'll put an insert and tell people to listen to it on double speed because there's good stuff in here throughout all the spacey rants. The next clip, I just need to dive into this is what I need to do. All right, so the medical examiner explains once again the meaning of homicide at this time. Yes. Well, let me scoot forward here. Sorry. The uh, manner of death of homicide uh, doesn't reflect whether or not a crime has been committed. So it just that there's... A- and that it doesn't reflect whether or not a crime has been committed. But everybody's sharing it around as though it's evidence and proof that a crime was committed. That has to stop. It's just people rejoice with the evidence they, they, that confirms their confirmation bias, satisfies it, and they have no incentive to go prove their own confirmation bias wrong. We have to get—this is why I've always had on my Twitter profile, embrace the cognitive dissonance. That's how we survive. If we are slaves— to things that satisfy our confirmation bias, then those manipulators, rulers who have done hundred over a hundred years of social science studies specifically to become exceptionally good at manipulating us by satisfying our confirmation bias because they know we will avoid cognitive dissonance at all costs. We will never escape. We must embrace the uncomfortable pain of learning, which is what cognitive distance is. This is sort of like a few, a few extra syllables there. But that's what it is. It's painful, but only for a brief period of time. It's like a physical pain because it's, it's a new node in your brain that's created, which is good. It expands your thinking. But the hardest part is embracing it. Embrace that some things we felt certain of for a long time might actually be bullshit. If everybody on the planet accepted that and lived that, the world would find peace. It's very simple, very difficult, but very simple. Very difficult, especially because the propaganda, trying to run interference and prevent that from happening. Where did he end? Did I play enough of that? Yeah, okay, so real quick as I get through these belabored just clips here, there's way too many clips. Correct. The the injury on the injuries on the left side of the face were non-lethal, and the lethal injury was the impact to the back of the head from the uh from Mr. Kessler falling and striking his head on the ground. And so that's the determination again. And and I you know, I thought this guy said this earlier. He didn't, but here he he gets right to the heart of the matter. 
which I think I've already told you, but it's good to hear it from the actual police officer because I could be full of shit. It's my contention that we still don't know that. My contention is that we're still waiting to see evidence of what occurred in that interaction and whether or not there was a blow to the face that caused the fall or if the, if Mr. Kessler fell without that being the, the, the precipitating event. Right. And that's exactly what it is. And he was asked about the megaphone. Now, the megaf- the people who said that he was hit with a megaphone were the people who were pro-Israel, and the conflicting stories came from the people who were pro-Palestine. That's why he doesn't know. And I'm sure there's, there's stuff that the investigation is keeping private for, for whatever reason. And they did go and they did search the guy's car and the guy's house, which I'm curious about why. I think that they're probably looking for evidence of a hate crime of premeditation which I think is going to be hard to find since it was their rally and that the, the, the pro-Israel people were the counter-protesters. It's hard. It's just like crazy. Like it's hard to claim that you're, and I get in a certain situation, things can change, but a little bit more broadly just in society, which is something we have to be careful of is allowing any group to be essentially a counter-protester or, a a provocateur who goes to intentionally start a fight, allowing groups like that to start a fight. And then everyone calling the person they provoked the aggressor. And I say that broadly. I know there's a lot of detail and nuance in all of that. Okay. And I'm not trying to do any parallels to what happened over in Israel. I'm just saying that with some of the stuff that I've been reading about this story, it's just been absolutely, definitely hate crime, definitely anti-Semitic, definitely premeditated murder. I'm like, no, it's definitely not any of those things. I, I have a, actually probably a, a pretty good explanation of probably what it is pretty close to. And it's none of those things. And it's a much grayer area. And there was no premeditated murder on anybody's side involved. Sometimes we should assume that it's neither extreme and it's more likely somewhere in the middle. That's what it usually is. We have to be careful about letting any group be able to provoke and then we just accept that the other person is the aggressor. It's just people were writing articles and tweets like that. I'm like, it just seems really backwards and it seems like people are ignoring. And I'm not saying that it's this person's fault. That's not what I'm saying. But this idea that it's a hate crime, unless there's maybe there is other evidence, that the hate crime investigation is still open when the group that came over and initiated the, the, the fight were the counter protesters. They showed up to the rival gang's thing, the rival gang's party, and they, and they poked them in the chest. Like there's no there's no way around it, and that's not anti-Semitic to say that. That that is just obvious. That is what happened, and the pro the pro-Palestine group does it too. They all do this. This is what they're trained to do. They are trained protesters. This guy who died has been a provocateur. When you read his background, I'll tell you some of it here in a second. For like decades, man. Where's the headlines here? Um, so they intermingled in the crosswalk, which is going to cause attention. The cop says that, yes, there was intermingling because they, they, they marched through the crosswalk, and that's probably where the little skirmish happened. And they had 
21. Oh, now this is interesting. Now this is a clip that I should have played this first because this is actually, this is very hopeful to me. This is what the media never covers right here. And they should cover this 18,000 times more than the one time shit goes wrong. Listen to what this cop says. So this whole thing, the cops have been going around. There had been no violence up until this moment, up until 15 minutes. There was cops there 15 minutes before this happened. Everything was fine. Uh, listen to this. And Oaks too at the location. Uh, this was the, this event would have been the third one at that intersection. Uh, we've had 21 protests countywide uh, since October 7th. Uh, this was the only one so far that has had some type of violent encounter at all. There's no permits required. Uh, this is a, a First Amendment protected activity, and oftentimes our protesters use the crosswalk to uh, make their voices heard and be seen. And so when you ask about if they're intermingling between sides, yeah, they're using their crosswalk to, to be seen and so that, that interaction is likely to occur. Sheriff, at any point- Yeah, so exactly. So there's been 21 protests and this is the first time it's happened. Have you heard any of the news of 20 protests with Israeli, probably counter protesters on either side and nothing happened, no violence. Everybody went home to their families. Breaking news, everybody from the pro-Israel and pro-Palestine protests who were marching on the same strip of crosswalk, they all went home safely to their families and hugged their wives and children. Did you hear those stories reported on CNN? No. What you hear, and you're hearing it from me too, but at least I'm highlighting this one, you hear the one time brought up and made to be an example of what happens every time. It's not. What is one, 4%, about a little under 5%, but less than 5% of the time, did violence erupt? 95% of the time, swimmingly peaceful, everybody went home alive. Okay, how about we start reporting that shit? Because most people aren't crazy. This is what I'm talking about. They try and tell us that everyone on one side wants to kill all, all of the other side, and everyone on the other side wants to kill all the other side. I mean, just, people make that argument about both of these groups, right? But when you look at the protest here, 95% of the time, nobody gets killed. Uh, who'd have thunk it? What a crock of shit that everybody wants to kill everybody. Now, maybe this war they're causing, they're going to fucking radicalize people. But it is not true. It is not smart to presume everybody has this same radical belief uh, in... I don't know what their biblical literature that they're committed to is. I, I, I'm, I'm sure... I mean, I know that part of the they want to kill everybody here they want to exterminate them comes from that right but i i don't assume that anybody that i know who's a christian believes a literal interpretation of the bible i only assume that congress and the speaker of the house believe that very few people do i believe have a literal interpretation of it and i, I don't think it's wise to presume however much we dislike the, what their literature says, that all of them have a literal interpretation of it. It just, it's, that's an easy way out to, to justify murder on both sides. All right, so this one guy, he made the mistake, not the mistake, he was correct in asking the question, but he, he dared to... Um, to tweet underneath that post, we have no idea what actually happened during this tragedy. Let's wait. No? Question mark. And then the response he got, one response was, 
Why are you making excuses for Palestinian protesters? There were plenty of witnesses. We heard in the clips that there were witnesses on both sides telling opposing stories. So that's not because there were witnesses on both sides and the stories conflicted. All right. That's why he said, wait, very wisely. He said, wait, and he recounts that. He said there were many witnesses saying uh, the elder man was swinging the flagpole at the people. And he says, was it provoked? Uh, was he hit with a megaphone? He said, not a single article I read mentioned that megaphone. Where was it reported? The, the megaphone thing came from people who were in that pro-Israel group. Now, I, I think that the megaphone was involved. I'll tell you why in a second. I don't think it was involved the way that they, they're telling us the, the one group or the people on Twitter. But I do think that it was. I don't think it was in, intentionally meant to kill um, but the response to him saying, asking these very valid questions was, now you're portraying it as an act of self-defense. You're pathetic. I mean, I mean, give me a break. Like, and this person here is probably fight back. Pro-Trump. This is a pro-Trump person. Drain the swamp. This guy is demanding justice for Trump, and here he is not allowing someone to ask very fucking valid questions. Grow the fuck up, Dan, whatever your name is. I hope he didn't follow me. It'd be weird. Dan, if you're listening, I don't mean anything by it. But grow the fuck up. So, all right, then, then he puts that video clip, which is a very valid video clip. Uh, I played that clip a second ago. And there was another, there's a better response. So we have no idea what happened. And where was it? Okay, yeah, he said, we have no idea what happened. And then we have this idiot right here who is a deplorable Navy vet, right? who you click on his page, and he is also a MAGA, a veteran it looks like. And his response was, two, we have no idea what happened in this strategy. Let's wait, no? Like, just saying, let's wait until information comes out. This guy says, are you fucking kidding me? We have no idea? Sort of like Hillary's emails, Hunter's laptop, the prosecution of the leading Republican candidate, and the FBI raids on conservatives. We have no idea. So he's even talking about the prosecution of the, the leading Republican candidate getting his uh, rights taken away and, and, getting, and not getting the presumption of innocence while he's not giving the presumption of innocence. Like, in, he's contradicting himself in his very tweet. This is how fractured brain, people's brains are from this divide-and-conquer compartmentalization propaganda. This hypocrisy, you cannot go after the other side for this same shit and then turn right around and do it yourself. You cannot do that. This is how we destroy America. Okay, the guy asking the question should not be attacked for asking legitimate questions that the investigators are asking. Unbelievable. Stupid. Okay, so my screen froze for a very long time, and uh, it's gone again. So, what the? This is infuriating. D- donate to the show. Sign up for Patreon. My equipment is crumbling like America of late. All right, get rid of that. And this is the article here that I was talking about from that gives a little bit of the background. Jewish man who died after dueling protests wasn't afraid to make his voice heard. Pat Ke- Paul Kessler was an ardent Democrat with a sharp wit who loved a good takedown. What, what a weird way. Like, if somebody dies, you know, is that how you want to be remembered? The, uh, well, so-and-so died. 
could you give us a statement about him? What do you remember most about him? Well, uh, uh, Colby, he was, he was such a Republican. What an awful thing to be remembered by. That's like the worst thing. He, I mean, he's probably a good guy. This person probably just didn't know anything else to say because they probably only knew him in that capacity. The article goes on to say that Paul Kessler attended many demonstrations related to progressive causes. And then it says, it quotes this former editor of a publication called The Thousand Oaks uh, Acorn, who said that Kessler, again, was an uh, ardent Democrat with a sharp wit, and he loved a good takedown. This is, in fact, what activists do. Activists constantly try and piss each other off. They are constantly trying to follow the rule, the Solinsky, the Bernays rule, of the action is in the reaction. So they take an action designed to trigger uh, an overreaction that they anticipate and hope for in their opposition, and that overreaction, thus being what they planned for in their initial action, that gives them what they want. So lifelong activists have spent their lives just messing with fucking with people and like, you know, giving them, walking up to them and flicking them in the ear and just trying to piss them off. And the people who lead these things, like this guy seemed to be a leader, the guy who died and the guy who got into an altercation with seemed to be a leader. He had the megaphone. They don't just put anybody who just randomly showed up in those positions. They put the people who are willing to just fuck with people and try and just press their buttons so that they can get the reaction that enables them to capture it, usually on cell phone, and then take what they captured, the overreaction, the mistake that the other side made because their emotional triggers are being pushed, and then put that overreaction online to rally their supporters around by saying, look what our enemies actually said look how evil and wrong they are when the whole thing was a provocation designed to get a moment that could be clipped and taken out of context and used to demonize the enemy for the sake of organizing and fundraising they are professional pissers off of people and that is what the guy who died was and most likely the guy who he got into the who who might be guilty of something, was also. And, and, I, and it's not anti-Semitic to point that out. If I'm the lawyer of the accused, the, the suspect, I'm pointing out that the group, the pro-Israel group, as I said, they showed up and started messing with us. It was our rally. They're the counter-protesters. This is admitted. I'm pointing out that this guy has a history of not being afraid to speak up. Like he's known for not being afraid to do that. The guy, when you read his writings, I read a bunch of his writings from back from like 15 years. He has spent the past 15 years at least going to various rallies and learning and just, I mean, the guy is a a professional agitator. That's what he was. Activists are just in a constant battle to try and make it look like the other activists are the the other activists are the aggressors and that they're the victims. That, that's what activism is. And the people who engage in it, maybe they get a thrill out of it, but the people who organize them and send them out there, and these it's a dangerous thing, especially right now with the subject. They don't ever do it themselves. The BB Netanyahu's, you know what I mean? The Stacey Abrams of the world. And you can wind up with a situation that gets a little too volatile, a little too hot, and worst case scenario, and you have an irreversible mistake that happened.
And, you know, there's no coming back from it. You can't, you can't reverse it. The guy died. There's no innocent party here. There's just not. And, and, and people are lying to themselves. You tell them there is. Both sides knew what they were getting into. Now, nobody expected to have a freak accident, which I think that's what this ultimately was. Now, somebody could be held responsible for manslaughter. I think that's a possibility. But this was a freak accident. This wasn't anti-Semitism. It wasn't murder. And why would, why would the media want to tell people that it is? What good does that do? She said, it doesn't surprise me at all that he was out there as a counter-protester even at his age. He was passionate about political issues, liberal causes, and wasn't afraid to let people know how he felt. This doesn't make him guilty, but if I'm the other guy's lawyer, I am bringing this into the courtroom because he's going to have to try and show that he wasn't the aggressor. And he's going to have to try and show that whatever hit that dude in the face wasn't his responsibility and didn't cause that guy to fall and hit the ground. They need to separate those two things out as his lawyer. I mean, it's, it's actually a pretty simple case when you think about it that way. I think we need to stop rushing to judgment. We need to commit hard as F to those principles of presumption of innocence and due process, not just when it's for people that we like and identify with, but when it's for the people we dislike the most and want to believe are guilty and bad the most. Those are the people we must commit the hardest to upholding those principles for if we are going to survive as a country. We simply will not. If we, can, if we are this easy to divide and rule and, and split our, our, uh, our brains, it's, I mean, that guy on Twitter... Like, he didn't even recognize his own hypocrisy. It's crazy. Like, just his brain is split in two. That can't, we can't survive with that type of uh, um, brainwashing going on. My speculation is that the man who was in the altercation with Kessler, the suspect, definitely was not trying to murder Kessler. In fact, he did not want him to die. That was like the last thing he wanted. And the cops said that the protesters were marching back and forth on the crosswalk, as I mentioned earlier, with Kessler being that known rabble rouser and the guy also being a known rabble rouser. They, they, they probably got into a shouting match while going back and forth clo in close proximity on that crosswalk that they were sharing to have their competing little protest there, right? And they're both carrying these, the one's carrying a big flag, the other the mic, the other's got the obnoxious megaphone. And it's obnoxious. It's totally obnoxious. And they're just trying to piss each other off. It's a, it's a competing war uh, of let me see how angry and how much I can aggravate this person that I think I'm supposed to hate. And they probably got into a shouting match. And my guess is that I think Kessler started filming the other guy and the other guy probably did not like that Kessler started filming him. And I think that the guy probably took the megaphone and swatted it down at the camera phone, attempting to knock the, the camera out of Kessler's hand. And that megaphone, if you look at it, it's, it, it's not like a tiny one. It's a big megaphone. It's like a real deal megaphone. And, and he probably swung it out of control going for the phone and probably gashed his head while coming down. I bet if they did, um, they, and they probably will do, um, 
you know, a, a recreation of, of how it might have happened, I bet it would indicate that he was swiping downward towards where the phone was being held and it caught his, the front of his face and created the gash, the non-lethal one. And whether or not that caused Kessler directly to fall down and hit the back of his head, I, I don't know. I have no speculation about that. But I feel confident that it was not an attempt to kill someone, but an attempt to knock the cell phone out of his hand because they were acting like children as activists do. Which could very well be a mistake if it did hit him in the head and that blow cause him to stumble backwards, fall over, and knock the back of his head. It could be a mistake that lands this guy in prison for manslaughter. Not murder, manslaughter, because accidental. He wasn't trying to kill him. For a very long time, he's going to ruin his life. He's in his 50s. Nobody wants to go to prison for a decade or however long it'll be in his 50s. And the whole reason he's going to be there is because he's out here bickering and fighting with a 79-year-old or a 69-year-old as like a 50 or 60-year-old because he's been conned by Hamas and Bibi Netanyahu into thinking that that man who died was his enemy and vice versa. And that man is dead because of the same thinking. It's so stupid. It's so, so stupid. That's what I think happened we're going to have to see footage of the camera from Kessler, which I speculate that the police have, they just have not revealed yet. That will probably reveal, at least give a pretty strong indication of, of whether or not there was a, there can be a direct line connected from the swipe, if I'm correct, head, fall backwards. Or, so like if he did it and tried to knock the phone out of his hand and then... It just it made him bleed, and then he stood there and argued for like another fifteen minutes, and then now that that would give the suspect that would give him a, a stronger defense. But we'll see. I, I, I'd be my guess is that it probably did not. It probably made him stumble, and probably is going to be ultimately linked to his death. And that guy will probably go to jail. Because of activism. So congratulations. It's all stupid. It, it's, it's an unnecessary death. So I, I can't be, I can't end on that dark stuff. I got to go something a little bit better here. So here's the least, least shocking story of the day. Then we'll get out of here after three hours, whatever this is. Stacey Abrams is back. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show you guys a little bit of Stacey Abrams here. You probably haven't seen Stacey like this. This is the Stacey Abrams Action figure. There it is. Stacey Abrams action figure, $20. Has her in her light blue suit with uh, her, you know, the gap in her teeth and the messages, a true hero always has a plan. Get your Stacey Abrams action figure. There's probably a lot of these, actually. Holding a microphone in her hand. I guess it's a microphone. I guess it could be a... Honestly, it could, it could be a vibrator. It's not very clear what that is. Microphone or a vibrator. Both, one and the same. Anyway, she's been in the news uh, the past couple of days because she responded on Sunday to, I think it was 
MSNBC, the uh, Jen Psaki, she responded about all the criticism that Kamala Harris has been receiving uh, uh, with the speculation that Biden might step down. This was on 60 Minutes. I played the clips. The guy said, you know, people don't want to donate to you. You're, you're the worst. You're awful. Nobody's, nobody likes Kamala, basically. And, and she, can't, she can't do it if, if Joe steps down. And, and Stacey Abrams responded at, with an explanation as to why Kamala is getting so much criticism. Any guesses as to what it might be? Misogyny and racism. Clearly, the same answer Stacey Abrams has been giving for like six years. Why is this happening? Misogyny and racism. They just leave her on the sidelines and she goes and does whatever in, ha- in Haiti or wherever else with, with the, the smartmatic guy who is the, uh, what's the guy's name? His name is like Malik and he's George Soros' best friend and he's been manipulating elections since the 80s and she like trains under this guy. She goes over there, does that, waits on the sidelines until they need to call in the race girl. And whenever they need to pump the race thing, that identity politics back, because this is identity politics also. This is a different brand of identity politics than the Israel-Hamas identity politics. But it's still as dangerous and as destructive to the country because, as we all know, it makes everybody the worst of their group and nobody the best, and strips away all the individual uniqueness that makes humanity great. And Stacey Abrams is a champion of that in her blue suit. What a surprise would that take? So Stacey told Jen Psaki that we will always question the person behind the person, but we cannot ignore the misogyny and racism that remains very prevalent in our politics. And she also told Psaki that if Harris were a white man, well, if Harris were a white man, I imagine that her husband would be much happier sexually. She said if Harris were a white man, like every vice president before her, she would not be receiving such backlash. We're not always great with the new, Abrams said, but more importantly, I know if you filter through the critiques, if you think about how she has castigated, it is inextricably linked to race and gender. Of course, everything is in Stacey's mind. I applaud the poise with which she has responded. Congratulations, Stacey. You've emerged to say the same shit that you said last time we saw you. It's got to get tiring. Just uh, race and misogyny, race and misogyny, racism. It's just, uh, man. Who do you think would win a, a sumo fight between Stacey Abrams and Chris Christie? Stacey, Stacey said during a speech that she's 6'1". I don't know her weight, but I think Chris, Chris, Christy has her by a little bit. Chris Christie's 5'11", so if she is six feet, she's taller. The weight is not too much of a difference. Chris Christie's like 61, 62. Abrams like 48. I'm going to be honest with you. My money is on Stacey Abrams to whip Chris Christie's ass. She is tenacious. He's kind of a puss-puss. I don't even think it'd be a contest. I think she eats his lunch, like during the fight and literally eats his lunch. One more quick might as well screw it the porn star the porn star who makes her husband watch her have sex with two other dudes before he gets to jump in there who ran for a crucial house seat in the virginia house that democrats were heavily invested in she's sadly the chatterbait live stream sex superstar named Susanna goodman she sadly lost by a relatively not a huge margin 
They said narrow when I read it. I don't know if it's gotten bigger. The only candidate for office in the country who can honestly say that over 90% of her campaign donors have seen her butthole has lost in a narrow defeat. Well, Lindsey Graham, but he's not running right now. She fell short, okay? And she thought she was going to win because after it was revealed that she cucks her husband and bangs half the county, she got a campaign boost and she raised half a million dollars in a couple of weeks when people found out that she screws everybody. And her husband watches her. Can you imagine that? Like, that's, that's stuff that people used to be like, I better not let everybody know that I'm screwing everybody and my husband goes last. That's like probably what, you know, 30 years ago a woman like her would say. But now it's like, I better tell everybody quickly that everybody's banging me and my husband goes last so that I can get a half a million dollar campaign boost. It's, it's just like, hell yeah, I'll donate to her. I get to see her butthole as a donor. It's in the fine print. But she lost. It's sad. When asked about her narrow defeat, she said it was disappointing. And if it were up to her, she would have much preferred to have taken a pounding. Before concluding her farewells, she thanked everyone who donated to her campaign, as well as her husband, who she said was right there by her side the entire time. He was there through thick and thin, long and shaggy, egg-shaped and pencil-dicked, thick and dirty, no matter how many donors. Her husband had to wait behind to have sex with his wife. He never once complained about going last because he knew that campaign donors always come first. That's where I'm going to wrap the show up today. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.